My name is Manny Pollard, and welcome, and I'm one of the pastors here, one of the teachers, um, and welcome everybody online that is attending today. We're so glad you're here. Um, if you are new, uh, we rotate teaching. Um, we have uh, different elders that teach, and so last week Brian taught, and then um, I actually, probably for the first time ever, will be teaching two weeks in a row, um, or it's been a long time, I can't remember, but um, today we'll be in Genesis 20. Um, but last week, you know, Brian taught on Genesis 19, um, and it is a doozy. And so if you and I didn't have a chance to look, uh, attend or watch it online, we have all our services usually on YouTube, and so you can go back uh, through our website. Um, but it's a story about Lot being rescued by God, um, and God showed Lot and his family a lot of mercy, um, showed his patience towards a city for a little bit. And unfortunately, uh, we're not much different than Lot. Um, you know, wanting certainty in our lives, security, favor, um, and all that can strike fear. And that's actually what we're going to be talking about in Genesis 20. Um, and this basically is Abraham showing fear, you know, 2.0, okay? So roughly 20 years before this, in, Gen- in the account of Genesis 12, if you remember, Abraham is just starting his journey with Sarah and um, he's struck by fear of what Pharaoh is going to do to him. Um, actually, it says um, that Abraham had told Sarah, hey, when, when we go into Egypt, this is in Genesis 12, um, he says, you know, you're beautiful and they will know that you're my wife and they will certainly kill me. So I tell him, so tell him that you're my sister and will go, it will go well with me so I will be spared for my sake. Okay, so that's what happens in Genesis 12, certain things are going to be similar, um, and, you know, so the, the beautiful thing about Genesis 20 is if you're still concerned about the mistakes or shortcomings you have that keep you from your calling or even uh, living with purpose, we can actually be comforted by this passage um, about who God is and, and who we are, and we can find comfort in that. And so we're going to read Genesis 20. Um, I'm going to highlight a few things from it and what's happening, but it's, it's somewhat repetitive what happens in chapter 12. Um, but I'm, we're just going to do some straightforward, practical things that we can pull out of this. Um, and I'm going to be reading out of the ESV translation. Um, some people have asked what translation. Most of us read out of the ESV or we say otherwise. Um, I know that Brian sometimes reads out of the New King James. Um, But let's go on ahead and um, pray real quick, and then we'll read through Scripture. Will you join me? Heavenly Father, um, man, we thank you we can be here this morning. We thank you we can come together um, and learn more about who you are um, and what you have designed for us through your truth and your word. Um, I pray for anyone that is heavy-hearted or burdened this morning um, that we could find peace and comfort in your promises and your truth, and who you say you are, Lord, and uh, pray that we can build one another up as well as we come together and we get to celebrate that. Um, We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, go ahead and get your eyes on Genesis chapter 20. Um, If you don't have a Bible, we do have Bibles on the racks in the back or some on the racks in the chairs um, in front of you. Um, We encourage that. We don't put the word on the screen, um, but we We'd love for you to be in Genesis 20. I'm just going to read straight through and then we'll unpack it a little bit. 
All right, Genesis 20, verse 1. Uh, your title might be different, but mine just says Abraham and Abimelech. Um, and it says, From there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of the Negev and lived between Kadesh and Shur. And he sojourned in Gerar. Side note, Gerar is where the Philistines come from, um, which they'll be a thorn in our side later. Um, and Abraham said to Sarah, his wife, um, sorry, she is my sister, and Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because of the woman who you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he had said, Lord, will you kill an innocent person? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? And she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. <clears throat> Sorry. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, and you and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and called all his servants and told them all these things. And the men were very afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? And how have I sinned against you? You have brought on me in my kingdom a great sin. You have done me things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you see that you, you did this thing? And Abraham responded, I did it because I thought there was no fear of God in, at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, This is the kindness you must do me at every place to which we come say of me, he is my brother. Then Abimelech took sheep and oxen and male servants and female servants and gave them to Abraham and returned Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, Behold, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases. Sorry, dwell where it pleases you. To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. It is a sign of your innocence in the eyes of all who are with you and before everyone you are vindicated. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and also healed his wife and female slaves so that they could bear children. For the Lord has closed all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Sarah Abraham's wife. Wow. So there's a lot going on there um, in, in some ways, right? And he, here is the deal. Abraham is trying to turn a a white lie or a half-truth, if you will, um, in, in kind of using that as an excuse, right? But here, here's what happened. The question I have is, what, what happened to this man of faith that would make him want to lie? Why couldn't he be truthful up front and, and say that, you know, well, we are married, right? And here's what happened. Fear drove to his poor decision. Now, Abraham made it about him. If you remember in, in chapter 12, there was a lot of like me's, like it's going to preserve me, they're going to come after me. Um, that's what's happening here. It's not about really preserving Sarah or watching out for Sarah, it's about watching out for him. And he returns to a same 
to the same sin, um, which is lying, because he was fearful. Okay, he made about him, he, la- he lapsed in his faith about God's promise. Now, we fear things um, that happened to us, you know, before if, if something may trigger us to uh, make a decision or do something that's happened to us in the past. It's actually pretty common, okay? But it's, it's a lapse of judgment, um, and we choose to do things um, that are different. But if you notice it later on when Abimelech approaches him, um, he says, you know, why, <laughs> why did you lie about this? Why did, don't you think I would have, you know, treated you fairly and not taken advantage of your wife? You know, we don't know that, but that's, that's kind of the, the conversation that he's having with him. And Abraham was fearful, but his reasoning is that he tells Abimelech is that there was no fear of God in this place. So a man that should be in fear of the Lord and his promises becomes fearful. And that is, that's a fleshly reaction. And actually, in, in what is surprising is Abraham was just given a promise in chapter 15 during the covenant between God and Abraham, saying, fear not, Abraham, I am your shield, I am your reward, okay? It shall be very great. But Abraham doesn't recall those things in the moment of fear because fear causes us to do silly things. I'm not saying it lightly. Maybe sometimes crazy things, okay? But fear also causes us to want to take things into our own hands, right? When we doubt God's promises, we like to take things into our own hands. Uh, We start to manipulate things. We start to coerce what's going on, and it causes us to see things that aren't really true. Now, Abraham made an assumption, but he, he really made it about him, okay? So notice this, though. Fear is not the sin, Okay, say this to yourself. Fear is not the sin. There is scripture everywhere that talks about be strong and courageous. God knows our reaction is going to be out of fear. So we shouldn't feel wrong that maybe we have angst. You know, a lot of us struggle with anxiety. A lot of us have fear. But it's about how we react and what we lean on and what we go to to gain understanding is, is usually where we go wrong, right? In this case, he manipulates the situation. And he continues to manipulate it, right? He continues actually to go on top of that, you know, hey, well, you know, she technically is my sister, right? That's what he says in that passage. He says, technically, she is my sister. But Abimelech, you know, he got approached by God in a dream. He's like, no, no, no. I know, I know what's happening here. And God uses a man that's not God-fearing, to approach him in that. We'll, we'll talk about that in a second. But So with that point, right, that, that fear drove him um, to make a poor decision, that ultimately the, the problem with fear, it, when we let fear overcome us, is it, it can lead us to sin. And it has bad re- repercussions, not only for you, the one that sins, but those around you, those that are in relationship with you. That becomes the big issue. Okay, so fear drove him to sin, and you notice he he tries to excuse that half-truth, and I just want to share this, you know, if there's kids in the room or adults, they think they can get away with it, you know, telling a half-truth is still a full lie, okay? A half-truth is still a full lie, and let me tell you, um, I kind of start seeing this a little bit more as I'm, I'm parenting my kids, you know, there's definitely been some, you know, white lies that we've shared with our kids, and, and they've picked up on it, that they think that's 
okay. But I do it out of protection. They take it as a habit. And that can become an issue for us. And we have to reap the consequences of it. We, you know, we watch our children. Uh, when they lie, um, you know, when we catch them in a lie, when I talk, down, talk with them and I sit with them, I ask them, well, what made you think this was a good idea? It's usually based on fear, right? Fear of not having enough, you know? My kids, I mean, they, they take food without asking all the time. They lie about it because they're fearful they won't have enough food, all right? They're fearful they won't be able to get the good snack, all right? Or sometimes they lie because they're selfish. And we, we all land in that trap. Or, you know, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, for Abraham in this section, um, it, it's a little lie that turns into a really big problem, a really huge situation, um, and it starts to harm others. A uh, story for, for me, one time when I was little, um, you know, my, my mom, she'd do, do the grocery shopping. Uh, she would get these awesome snacks. And I was starting to notice that uh, my brother, my brother's a little bit older than me, that they would have friends come over all the time. And, um, you know, my mom would do the huge Sam's Club haul. And I would start taking um, basically these candy bars basically every time my brother's friends would come over because my mom would just think it was them. <laughs> so I would, I would just go stash it. I wouldn't even eat them. I would just stash them. Um, and my mom continued to be like, man, what is going on with my son's, you know, friends? And I, I'm going to stop buying all these, these candy bars if they're just going to keep on taking them. And, um, you know, eventually my, my brother was actually starting to get, like, punished for it, okay? And I, I started to feel really guilty. Like, I started to have this, like, weight of, like, well, this isn't right, right? And we know when the things that we're doing um, aren't right. And praise the Lord. I mean, that's, that's the Holy Spirit working in us. Some would call it a conscience. But I remember it just unraveling and getting a little dicey, right? And, and that was just a little bit one. And I, I remember running my mom back, no, it was me. And I, I, probably, I mean, literally, it was like two dozen candy bars <laughs> in this box. And she just smirked and laughed. And then, but then she had to go apologize to my brother, which was, you know... But that was because of me, not because of what my mom did. So again, it's just showing when we walk in fear of, of whatever that we, and when we sin like that, it impacts others. Yeah, Snickers do satisfy. <laughs> but, um, but we shouldn't really be shocked by this story, right? In, in the sense that um, I think if we were all in Abraham's situation, we, pr- we probably could relate, right? You're walking into foreign territory, into a, a place that you kind of know how people act. You know, there's no fear of God in this place. Um, but again, Abraham does have self-preservation for, for him, not f- for his wife, which I find interesting. Um, but also, um, again, ignoring the promises of what God had set before him. Um, you, you think we sometimes say like, well, God... This promise probably doesn't apply to this situation, but they do all the time. His promises apply today and in the future, not just now, right? And so, um, but we get caught up in that. And, and so the, the next thing, though, is we shouldn't be shocked by Abraham's sin. 
and we shouldn't be shocked by sin. We've already read through different accounts of, you know, Noah got drunk after he just did an amazing thing with, with the ark and kind of restarting civilization. Uh, Moses lost his temper, um, but he was, you know, chosen to help take people to the promised land. Um, you know, David committed adultery. Uh, Peter denies Christ, okay? So we all sin, okay? Now, saying that we all sin doesn't allow for sin, but it is a warning that we should avoid sin at all costs, okay? That this was actually, uh, you know, Abimelech coming before um, Abraham was actually an act of mercy, you know, that, that his sin was revealed right before him, you know, and it doesn't feel good in the moment, but there are, there are good things that are happening when Abimelech approaches him. But again, it warns us that sin happens, but this should lead us to want to be closer to Christ, our own sin. 1 John 1.8 says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay? 1 Corinthians 10.12 says, So beware if you think it could never happen to you, lest your pride becomes your downfall. Uh, Paul is addressing the sin in the room, saying, Hey, you are no better than this person that was sinning. And don't think that couldn't happen to you. When we're reading this, we, we're sometimes reading it as if like, we have the eyes of the Lord, but we should be reading it as like, the eyes of ourselves and who we are naturally. So we, we shouldn't be shocked by this, and God is not surprised by it either. You know, and the good news is that sin in its own doesn't cause us to lose our own salvation, but it can hurt our witness. Imagine this, that, that Abraham is going into this new territory, um, and somehow, you know, God, again, you'll notice that God is approaching Abimelech, and he says, yeah, I know this guy lied to you, but he is a prophet. Abimelech's reaction is probably like, really? The guy that just lied to me and put me in this situation that, that actually has made the women in my nation or in, in my area barren somehow is the prophet? You don't think that didn't hurt Abraham's testimony? It definitely did. Okay, It hurts our testimony when we do walk in sin. And a lot of times it's driven by our fear. You know, and we're fooling ourselves if we think we can just avoid our sin too, that we shouldn't address it. You know, and there is power in admitting our sin. It breaks the bond of self-righteousness. And it empowers our testimony after that, right? Admitting our sin. I don't know about you, but when someone has offended me or, you know, truly hurt me because of their sin, when they come and they genuinely apologize, what does that do? Man, it, it breaks that bond of like bitterness and frustration. Sometimes it doesn't immediately go. I can imagine for Abimelech it might have taken a second, but if you later on actually in the next chapter, Abimelech comes back because they have an agreement about the land and what they're going to do. So owning up to that, that sin and working through that together, there's power in that. There's power in that testimony. That's why he calls us all to come together and to confess our sin to each other. And that's how we fight this, right? We repent and we confess our sin. Again, God uses Abimelech to help for, confront that sin. 
because I don't know, I don't know if, if what would have happened, but God is again t- carrying out his big story for us by confronting this sin through Abimelech, okay? Um, and his kindness is all over this. God, um, again, uses Abimelech to help Abraham con- confess his sin eventually. Um, and this happens in our lives when we have an opportunity uh, to confess that, that, you know, we're not walking in the light. But we need people sometimes to help us realize that. Because sometimes it's not always easy. If I didn't have people in this community, um, if it was in our church or, or other people around me, it would be super easy to get away with things that are not good for me. It would be really, you know, my kids would probably like it if they didn't have people holding them accountable. But then we'd be in a lot of trouble. All right, and so this is not, get, you know, this isn't God getting soft, you know, here, like as far as what sin does and doesn't do, but it's revealing God's kindness in his mercy. Do you know, he delights in being merciful to us. He'd much rather be merciful to us than bring down judgment. But sometimes he has to. How come I have that? That's interesting. Disregard. I'm like, I don't have a reference to the scripture, but it says, you know, in, in Romans it talks, but don't you see how wonderfully kind and tolerant and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? But how do we move forward in addressing our sin, right? One, we need to realize that, you know, when we walk in sin, when we're living in sin, it can be dangerous. It can be dangerous for you. But in Galatians 5, 16 through 18, someone have their Bible want to open up to that and read that out loud? Galatians 5, 16. So it says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. 17 carries on, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are no longer under the law. So listen, it, it comes full circle that like living in fear is, is us living under the law. We're not living in freedom anymore, okay? That we, we are trusting God's promises when we don't live in that fear anymore. But we can be comforted in this, right? That even though Abraham failed as a man, you know, God still protected him. Okay, don't, don't get lost on that. that. That God still protected him because he is carrying out his purpose. He's being faithful. And that applies to us too. We somehow think, sometimes think that, you know, when we do wrong or we walk in disobedience, that means we've forfeited our right to God's promises for us. 
And that couldn't be further from the truth. Now, there are several stories that show that, and we can do that a different day, but, you know, there, there still are consequences, but that doesn't take away from, you know, God's protection of his promises. A few stories would be, you know, David and Bathsheba, okay? God still restored David, but there were consequences, big ones, like hard ones. You know, and then Peter denying Christ, I mean, that, that was painful for Peter, more of an emotional toll than anything. But at the end, you know, Jesus redeems him. He approaches him and he says, you know that I love you. And he says, well, God, you know I love you too. God allows for us to walk in our mistakes. And so, just again, a good reminder that we are going to make mistakes. Amen? We are not perfect. Sometimes we can get indignant about that imperfection, about ourselves or about others around us. You know, there's not a, a pastor here or anywhere that is, you know, flawless. There's not one person that is flawless. You know, and we live in a, in a culture, unfortunately, where specifically here in America, you know, we, we throw this word out now, but cancel culture it's a real thing. And it's actually, would be, it's pretty prevalent in churches. Make one mistake, somehow we're not, we're not allowed to walk in gospel truth anymore. And that, that's just, that's not right. That's not the way that God designed it. You know, forgiveness, you know, 70 times 7. Not just one time. You know, we live in that one strike you're out mentality um, and, you know, you, you could think of many stories where someone went from a zero to hero, and then somehow he makes one mistake and goes back to zero again, right? Now, there's this story about um, Babe Ruth. I mean, and, and hopefully you all can relate. Like, I love baseball. Babe Ruth was awesome. He's got many movies named after him, specifically. Um, Sandlot's probably the best movie about Babe Ruth ever made. Um, just about how these, these kids loved him, and, you know, he was a legend, but probably for like the last three years of his career, people would boo him because he had like a strikeout average of like two per game. People just have a short attention span, a short memory about the reason why we, we celebrate them, right? Sometimes we treat people when they fall short like they're dead to us. And that's, again, this is where God is redeeming the story. You know, in verse 7 of that Genesis 20, it says, you know, that Abraham was still a prophet, even though, you know, he had just lied. Um, and God is not pleased with that, but he's still, he's the one that's in control. And we should be comforted with that, you know. Uh, Abraham actually even gets even more blessing. So imagine being Abimelech. <laughs> After you get this dream, you say, what have you done to me in, in my place? And then he still is giving him more blessing. And Abimelech, you know, does some awesome things too. He, he, he restores um, Sarah's purity, saying, like, you had done nothing wrong. And, you know, outwardly, that was a huge deal. Culturally, um, people, you know, it'd be like having the scarlet letter. And he says, no, this woman is redeemed, and that's why he gives her all this treasure, okay? Um, but again, Abraham continues to get the blessing. And, and good news for us, what this shows is God isn't worried about a person's own self-righteousness. Okay, God is not worried about a person's own self-righteousness. And this should give us hope. 
Because sometimes we walk through these doors, we walk up those stairs, we come down this hallway, and we feel like we don't add up. Maybe it's because we had walked in sin or that we, you know, have put the pressure of this world on ourselves. But this, this is a bigger deal of being able to see the character of who God is and, and the character of who we are and why we need a Savior named Jesus. This all points back to God's redeeming care and love and His mercy for us. Now, Paul actually addresses the weight of sin um, in itself, and um, this applies to us, right, that uh, some of you are working through your own sin, okay, things that you, uh, sins of commission, um, you know, and, and there's shame, or there's some of us in here that are working through the hurts and pain of someone else's sin towards us, and we're having a hard time letting go, um, but, but I want to read this verse for you in 2 Corinthians 2, 5 through 8, it says, now if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure not to put it too severely to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by majority is enough. So some of us have been sinned against, okay? Um, and we want, we want retribution. We want revenge. We want justice. And what Paul's talking about here, that you know, someone was struggling mildly with sin and it impacted the whole village, it impacted the whole area. And he's saying, hey, like, be merciful because this person's already dealing with enough in their heart, okay? Enough with their heart, not even having to deal with, you know, I guess the penalty that some of us would think they deserve. And I don't know about you, but when I have sinned against someone or um, done something wrong, um, you know, in my life, like the way that sin is, it's a lot. And that's why, we, that's why God knew we needed forgiveness. And again, it doesn't discount that some sin has consequences. But there's a reminder here saying like, who is the ultimate judge of that? And that's God. And then he puts us under authority in a church where, you know, men and women that are walking in the Spirit can help in that discipline process as well. And that's a good thing. But a lot of times, those things happen outside of the way that the Lord had created that. And that can, that can be tough. And, and so in here, in Genesis, God is working through that and uses a man in a dream to help confront that sin, to carry out that purpose. But again, it, so at the end of 2 Corinthians 2, 5 through 8, it says, so you should rather turn to forgive and comfort that person or he may be overwhelmed by the excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Okay? So praise the Lord. Okay? Praise the Lord that um, he is merciful towards us. And he sh this, this story shows his mercy towards Abimelech and to Abraham the one that fell short in this. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here. Okay, but there, but there is um, a lot going on. In, so praise God for his mercy in spite of what we do. And for us, we should see that his mercy is saying, I don't, it's not about your own righteousness. It's about him. 
and about what he's doing. There's a few other promises that he gives through Scripture. Romans 11.29 says, For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, meaning that you, you can't just lose his promises because of one you know, mistake. And we can be comfortable with that. In Psalm 103.10, 103.10, it says, He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Again, this, this is addressing like who God is. Now, in the end of this story, it talks about how, how Abraham responds. Okay, so Abraham gets approached. Abimelech's pretty upset. He's pretty frustrated. And then in verse 17, it says, Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech that God was restoring Abraham, even, even this, it seems short in this passage because it's only 18 verses. But God still allows Abraham to, to fulfill the way he was called in his ministry. And I don't know about you, but sometimes we, we come in and um, you, you have this urge to say, like, well, I want to pray for this person, but I've fallen short here. Or I've done something wrong here. So I, that discounts me to be able to do that. That's, that's not true. God has placed us in a place where we can, again, don't have to be righteous ourselves, but live in his righteousness to be able to minister and care for one another. And that is freeing. You know, when we fall short, we learn how God picks us up and, and God delights in showing mercy. And probably for a lot of us, we've been sold a different story of like how he delights in, you know, being a judge right now. That's usually not the case. There will be a day of judgment, but that's for all of us. But we get to live in hope today about him showing his mercy. And God also continues to carry, um, carry on the story despite of Abraham's mistake. You know, and it happens because of, of God's grace and his sovereignty over this whole situation, okay? Not just based on one man's self-righteousness or lack thereof, okay? And for us, we should be reminded of that, that God continues to carry this story out regardless of our actions but we get to join in it because he's gracious towards us through his son, Jesus. And what I want to encourage is if we're going to be responding in worship, okay, is take a survey of your life and recount all the times that God has shown his mercy to you. I think you'll be overwhelmed more than underwhelmed. You'll be able to celebrate those things and be thankful and it also can be, be painful where we've, where we've taken that for granted. But we get an opportunity to celebrate that. So what we're going to do is we're going to respond in, in one song of worship. I'm going to come back up here and I'm going to read um, one scripture or one section of scripture. But, you know, this story, we, we could, you know, dissect it in a million different ways. But I think I wanted to look at it from what, what is it that applies to us, applies to you, 
and applies to like who God is and what his character is today. And a lot of times we are, again, fear, the, being driven by fear has, has not changed. It's probably actually escalated. But if you remember um, back in the 90s, maybe it was a little bit earlier, but what I remember, what I recall, you know, there was this, this bumper sticker that said, no fear, right? And we kind of laugh at it now. It was, it was a cheesy, um, you know, way uh, to, you know, promote and, and make money uh, from a bumper, bumper sticker. But that bumper sticker or that slogan was, was created because that person made that the motto of their life, that I don't have to live in fear because of what Christ did for me, because of who God is. And it's probably time for us to be reminded that we don't have to live in that fear. We get to lean on his promises. And that when we do lean on that fear, it can, it can drive us to, to do some bad things. But thank goodness he's merciful to us. So take a moment and, you know, survey your life. Recount all of God's mercies. And let's just pray real quick and then we'll go into worship. God, man, thank you for this story um, of how we see your mercy, how you're faithful to your promise, God, even when we fall short, and that we be reminded that, um, man, we have a need um, for you and for, for your son, and God, that when we are self-righteous, God, that... Um, we miss, we miss the goodness of your mercy. God, I pray for anyone here that is struggling with the spirit and the heart of self-righteousness, that that could be removed. Lord, I'm praying for anyone that is struggling with a thing they don't add up to be worthy to be uh, with you, God, that they would know that you are, man, you are gentle and lowly and you love us. That you want us to come to you in your mercy. God, would we, re, would we be reminded of that this morning? God, let us just encounter you in, in this time of worship, um, and we pray that we would um, be able to walk in the Spirit and in truth today. Amen. So in our response time, you know, we, we respond in worship, um, and then if you're new this morning, you know, we, we also, at this point, um, invite you to respond through taking communion or um, giving joyfully, or just asking for a prayer, you know, and I did make a call of, of you know, repenting from sin and confessing to one another, um, and we know that can be a very challenging thing for some of us, but I want to encourage you, there is freedom when we bring things to the light, that Christ died so that he could take that sin, and that's what he encourages us to do, and, um, you know, again, I think the, one of the biggest tensions when you read this passage is that somehow a man that is declared a prophet and a chosen one by God somehow is able to, to sin and, and kind of comes across as like he got away with it. But God, you know, he has a bigger purpose for this. God did not say, hey, go, go sin and lie and, you know, that's the way I'm going to get it done. No, God redeemed the situation, okay? He redeemed the situation and proved his character through that. 
and for us, it can be easy to say, well, is, is it okay to lie? And so um, I wanted to read Romans 6, um, just a little bit of it. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into the death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And that newness of life is, is surrendering our sin, our fears, our failures to Christ, entrusting him with that. And we do that on the daily, okay? not just on Sunday morning. That is walking in faith. And Paul dealt a lot with this saying, people were saying, well, are you saying it's okay to sin? And that's not, that's not the spirit and the heart of that. But it's to say that, no, God knows you're going to fall short and he's calling you to him. He's calling us to him repeatedly, okay? We are united with him because he looks at us mercifully. And we can celebrate in that, that we are alive when we do that. Okay? We are dead to sin and alive in God when we confess and repent of our sins. So I want to encourage you, we continue to worship. Um, if you profess that Christ is your Savior, uh, we would invite you to take communion um, or, you know, to come and you know, ask for prayer. There should be uh, someone representing the ladies. If you're more comfortable praying with a woman, there's going to be someone over there uh, by the cry room and prayer room. Um, you know, there's a few elders around the room. I see Joel, uh, myself. Anyone is willing to uh, be praying with you. Um, and I would encourage you, take the time to say, man, what is it that has had me live in fear to not share, share my shortcomings? Because there's freedom in that when things are brought to light. So let's continue to worship. We encourage you to do those things.